The series that we're starting here this month is really designed, you know, I like to start the year off with more of a discipleship kind of a focus. I want us to make sure we're starting off centered. I want us to be focused on the Lord. I want us to be grounded. I want us to, you know, some years I've preached on fasting. Some years we've preached on prayer. Uh, Some years we've preached on putting Jesus first and making him preeminent. But I like to start the year off by, by messages from the word that get us centered so that we set up our year for blessing. Amen? If you start well, there's a good possibility you're going to end well. If you don't start well, you're probably not going to end well. And so I want us all to start well. Amen? I want us to make sure that we begin well so we can end well. So we're going to start by really focusing on what the Word of God says about the Word of God. I mean, you know, the Word of God says a lot of things about a lot of things. You can, you can get a doctrine, for instance, of the church. That's what we're teaching on Wednesday night, why we should love the church. Well, how do we learn how to love the church? From the Bible. We can teach classes on the nature and attributes of God. How do we know what God's like? Well, we don't know anything about what God's like or very little about what God's like, except that God has chosen to reveal himself to us in his word. And so we learn the attributes of God from studying the word of God. Well, how, how many of you know, if you want to know what the, what the scriptures are in God's eyes, you have to go to what God said about the scriptures. And so here's my point. We want to lay an incredible foundation of faith in your heart for this coming year that you will have a personal desire more than you've ever had. Pastor Dick touched on it for communion. More than you've ever had a desire to devour the word of God for yourself. That I mean, a, a fresh Holy Ghost, God-inspired hunger would erupt in your heart. But I believe for that to happen, many times we have, to, we have to frame out why that should be. And I want to fill your heart with faith for the Word of God. And then we're going to get into the month of February, Lord willing. I always say Lord willing because how many of you know we're open to Jesus interrupting February at any time. All right, He could come back. He could mess up February. We're good with that. All right, uh, But as the Lord would tarry and allow us to have February of 2017, we will be focusing on a lot of vision. Personal vision, corporate vision. What God is doing in this house is going to be an exciting month. We've got a lot of incredible plans to unfold for you. In fact, you'll be getting a newsletter mailed to you this very month uh, about highlighting some of the things that we're going to invite you to partner with us on as we're believing God and really stepping out in bold and radical faith this coming year uh, as we believe God's causing us to move ahead. How many of you know moving ahead is a good thing in the kingdom? All right, we're going to move ahead. Uh, at Livingstone. So it's going to be very, very exciting. I also want to say, you know, it's, it's nice that we've got podcasts and we're getting ready to launch live streams. So if you were out of town or at home or not feeling well or something like that, you could actually watch the service live on your computer or electronic device. That's cool. But I want to just say, amen, I want to just say hello to Coralie. I want to say hello to Ashley. We've got our missionaries that tell me faithfully they join our church overseas every single week. They listen to the service. They feel connected. Also, our missionary connections over there, Pastor Boggy, Pastor Nas. We say hello to you guys this morning, first part of this year, and to everybody else that's listening to our podcast. We just want to tell you thank you and pray that your hearts are encouraged as you join us on this first day of the new year. Also want to welcome our guests. I know Pastor Susie welcomed you, and we got a starting point coming up. We've been seeing a lot of new faces every week. It's been really, really exciting. I want to thank you all, too, for bringing out friends and family and loved ones to our Christmas Eve and Christmas services. We had, how many you know, we had two amazing gatherings. It was awesome. Uh, full houses nearly on each time, and it was really, really a great time of celebration. So for all of you that are new here to Living Stones, 
welcome. We just want you to feel at home and make yourselves comfortable here this morning. All right, I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to talk this morning, the series is called Flawless. How many of you know the, the Bible says that the word of the Lord is flawless? And I want us to highlight the beauty, the power, the authority, the integrity of God's word and fill our, our hearts with faith. You know, William Carey was a great missionary to India. And William Carey had a famous little expression that he was known for. And I like to meditate on that at the beginning of the new year. How many of you know there's nothing inherently good news about a new year? If you had a miserable year in 2016, what's to say anything's going to change in 2017? How many of you know, like this humanistic optimism is, is shallow? Let me tell you why I'm excited about 2017. Not because I'm alive, not because I'm an American, not because things just naturally get better. Here's why I'm excited about 2017, and here's why you should be excited about 2017. This is what William Carey said. The future is as bright as the promises of God. The future is as bright as the promises of God. You know why I'm excited? You know what we're still, last time I checked, we're still living in a fallen world, right? We're still surrounded by broken people. We're still surrounded by selfish people. We're still surrounded by corruption. We're still surrounded by all kinds of evil and wickedness. That last time I checked. But I'm not looking at all that. I'm excited about this coming year because I am focused on the Word of God, the promises of God, and the living Word, Jesus Christ, and the fact that He is involved actively in His church, accomplishing His will. How many of you know it's going to be a great year as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ? So I want us to be people of the book. This phrase jumped in my heart a number of years back. It was actually, I was reading something by Pastor John Piper, and he was challenging us to be people of the book. And I want to start off with a quote that I love, and it's going to set the stage for where we're going to go this morning. He said this, we are a people of the book. We know God through the book. We meet Christ in the book. We see the cross in the book. Our faith and our love are kindled by the glorious truths of the book. And we have tasted the divine majesty of the word and we're persuaded that the book is God's inspired and infallible written revelation. Therefore, and every time you find a therefore in the Bible, you should circle it because you need to ask, why is that therefore, therefore? What's, what's going on next? Therefore, there's a logical conclusion of everything that we just read is true. Therefore, what the book teaches matters. Now that's the connection that I'm trying to make this morning for us, is that if, if everything we just said about the book is true, then how many know you got to connect the dot and then here's the connection. That book should matter to me. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, that book, tell him this, that book should matter to you, all right? Tell him that, that book should matter to you. Now I want you to touch yourself right here and say, this book should matter to me, all right? Just personalize it. This book should matter to me. What this book teaches matters. And here's my driving passion over the next couple of weeks is to, by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, instill in our hearts a greater sense of passion that this book matters. And I need to be knowing it, reading it, living it, learning it. I, I've got, it's got to matter to me. Now, I love the way the Bible encourages us. How I many know God woos us along with promises? God says, listen to me. 
if you will do this, this is what I will do. How many of you know one of the greatest promises for giving is from God? God says, if you will honor me with your first fruits, if you will honor me with your tithes, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour out such a blessing on your life, you're not going to be able to contain it. I mean, you know, that is God wooing us to his blessing. How about this for a verse to start the year off? Just to woo us to God's word. This is Joshua 1.8, a verse that we're all familiar with. I'm reading from the New Living here. I love the way it says this. This is the Lord himself, God Almighty, speaking to Joshua. God says this to Joshua. Study this book. I'm going to say it to you this morning. Thus saith the Lord. Study this book. Throughout this year, study this book. In fact, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to have the luxury this year of sitting around your entire 365 days of the year doing nothing but reading and studying the Bible. That's not going to happen. I get it. But that word continually is not referring to the fact that that's all that you're doing. It's talking about a lifestyle where you are going to be in the Word of God consistently, continually, uh, as a regular habitual part of your life. How many of you know some habits are really, really good? Reading the Bible continually is a good habit. And you're going to say, this book matters, and so I'm going to study it continually. I'm going to make it part of my lifestyle. And then it says another word here that's important, meditate on it. Now, I'm just going to share with you my own personal strategy this year. Last year, I went through a Bible reading plan. How many of you have ever done a Bible reading plan? You start off in Genesis, you end in Revelation, and over the course of 365 days, if you follow the plan, you will have read through the entire Bible. How many of you know that's a good plan? It's a great plan. It keeps us from being short-sighted in God's Word or picking and choosing certain passages. It gives us a big-picture perspective of the Word of God. Old and new, Psalms and Proverbs, everything in between is wonderful. But here's the problem. Sometimes when we're focusing on reading through the entire Bible, we cut out the times to really think deeply and meditate about one verse. And so I'm going to shift my Bible reading strategy this year, not to comprehensive only, but to meditation and focusing on certain passages and letting it really get in my spirit. Because how many of you know the Word of God has to get down inside of us, become part of us, so that when we get squeezed, what comes out of us is not our flesh, but what comes out of us is truth. Amen? How many of you know when, when the Word's not there is when you're usually freaking out about something? Because what usually happens is we get in a life circumstance or situation and we get under pressure. And when you're under pressure, the real you shows up. And what happened when Jesus was tempted 40 days and was under incredible pressure from Satan? What came out of him? The Word of God. How many of you want to be filled with the Word of God so that that's the way you think? Well, that only happens if you read it, first of all, and secondly, if you meditate on it. So it says here, meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure, this is important, why are we meditating? Just for Bible knowledge? No. So you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. God's goal is that we would hear and have such a respect for what we read that we would instantly have feet to do it. Now, how many of you ever failed in that besides me? All right, we read and sometimes we come up short. But how many of you know the goal of all of our Bible knowledge is just so we get to be smart? That's not the goal. The goal is that we look like God, and we begin to act like God, and we begin to think like God and behave like God. Now check this out. If we study this book of instructions continually, if we'll meditate on it, if we'll be sure that the goal of all of our reading and meditation is that we'll obey what God says to do, listen to what God promises you. This is amazing. Only then, God says, you will prosper 
and you will succeed some of the time. Is that what that says? No. Now, Americans are all about success, are we not? Everybody wants to be the latest, greatest success in whatever it is. If you're in business, you want to be a success. If you're doing whatever you do, you want to be successful. Guess what God promises you? He says, if you honor my word and let it be a part of your life and meditate on it and walk in it, this year, I can tell you God is already telling you what's going to happen. You're going to be successful and you're going to prosper in your life. In ways of following God, honoring God, living in the kingdom, God will bring prosperity and success upon your life. Is anybody interested in that? Or how many of you want to have a miserable year, a lousy year? You want to go backwards? You want to be, you know, cursing the, the 2017 came into your life? No, we, none of us go into the year that way. But God's just given us an amazing promise here to satisfy the very things that we long for. And he says, but here's the thing. You've got to be in the book. Everybody say, in the book. You've got to be in the book. And you've got to be walking the book. So my goal is that we would love it. We would learn it. We would live it. And that's my big focus here as we jump into this series. So turn with me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to start reading in, in uh, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. I'm sorry, 3, 10 through 7. I'm going to start reading actually in verse 14. I lied, verse 14. My, no, my, my notes here have... I'm going to start reading, and you try to follow me. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, but you must remain faithful, the Bible says, to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. For you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, that they have been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. Verse 16, all Scripture... Is God inspired or inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives? It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what is right. And God uses it to prepare his people to do every good work. All right? I love the way Paul highlights several things, and now I'm going to go back to verse 10. I missed the first part in my notes because I think I changed my notes over the weekend, and that part got mysteriously taken out. But it's in your Bible, verse 10. But I want to start reading it here. It says, You know, Timothy, what I teach, how I live, what my purpose in life is, and you know my faith and my patience, my love and my endurance. The first thing I want to focus on is having a clear vision. And I want you to see these are three things the Bible highlights should be known by people that we're mentoring. And let me encourage you. How many of you know we all need to have our sights on somebody that we're receiving from and somebody else that we're mentoring? Amen? You always should be receiving and you always should be giving away. Well, what are the things that we need to have relating to a clear vision? Paul highlights them here, and I want you to think about these as you go into 2017. Paul says, first of all, you know what I teach. In other words, you know my beliefs and you know my doctrine. How many of you know if you're a young believer, one of the first things you need to focus on is being grounded in the Word of God so that you know what you believe. That's part of why we offer these classes on Wednesday nights is to really get you immersed in a deep way in good, solid biblical doctrine because knowing what you believe is important. And let me just say, fathers that are in this room, do your children know what you believe? Do they know what your values are? Do they know your doctrine? 
Because they need to know, yeah, my dad believes this, my dad stands for this, my dad leads our family this way, my dad believes these things. It's very important as heads of our home that our kids can say, no, my dad wouldn't like that. My kids will tell me certain things, dad, you wouldn't like that movie. And then they go on to tell me why I wouldn't like the movie. And I say, well, you're right, that's why I wouldn't like that movie. Uh, They know what I believe, they know what I stand for. Uh, Do the people that are following you know what you teach? So look at the second thing he says here. You know how I live. In other words, my values and my lifestyle. How do I live? What do I like? How, what are the choices that I make? You know, in serving my father for all these years, I could tell anybody when a certain situation came up, I could tell you what my dad's position would be on that or how he would handle certain things because I'm his son and I have served him for many, many years. I know how he thinks. I know how he operates. That's what happens when you spend close time with people in the faith. You begin to know their lifestyle. You begin to know their culture. I mean, you know, here at Living Stones, if you've been around for any length of time, you could identify some of our corporate values or lifestyle decisions, okay? Uh, you, I, there's certain things I could tell you about myself, and you say, you know, Pastor Ron's committed to X, Y, and Z. You need to have those same commitments. Your family needs to know what your lifestyle is and what you believe. Look at point number three that he brings out here. He says, you know why I'm living. In other words, you know my purpose and my calling. And I want you all to think about this this year. Every one of you have a different vocation and calling. Some of you are called to the marketplace. Some of you are called to medicine. Some of you are called to education. Some of you are called to raising a family. There's a myriad of things that we do uh, to serve and to you know, make a living, all right? But here's my point. Not what you're doing to make a living. What is your calling? What is your vocation? What is it, what's the thing that brings you passion in life? What's the thing that makes you tick? That's the thing that you need to be centered on this year. And let me just suggest to you that part of that is found in the church and part of that is found outside of the church. There are ministries, ways for you to serve right here. And I want to encourage you all, get involved. Everybody should get involved. Love the body of Christ. Serve the body of Christ. But then what is your vision for outside of this place, for touching people, reaching people with the gospel? So three things that you need to think about this year. What you teach, how you live, uh, and why you're living. How many of you know that's, that's some good stuff right there Paul's laying out? What I teach, how I live, why I'm living. And then he reminds Timothy of some character issues in his life. He says, also, I want you to notice this about my life, Timothy. Watch my faith. Watch my patience. I don't, I don't freak out. I'm, I'm patient. Watch my love. And watch the fact that I am enduring. I don't quit. How many of you know those are four great qualities to focus on this year for our lives? Loving God and people not quitting, walking in patience, and being full of faith, trusting the Lord with various situations that come up. So Paul says, first of all, you know, there's a bunch of you knows here. You know, first of all, he says, talking about the importance of having a clear vision for our lives. The second you know talks about clear expectations. Look at verse 11 with me. Verse 11. You know how much persecution, Paul says, and suffering I have endured. He's sharing his own personal testimony here. And you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. He said, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Praise the Lord. And yes, and everyone, he says, now he's applying it to us. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Now let me just lay things out here for us. This is the first day of the new year. How many of you believe that you're not going to experience any challenges this year? Okay, good. Sometimes we have to pop this little charismatic, unreal, unreal fantasy bubble 
that thinks that because we got the card, life is going to be smooth sailing. How many of you know you can't have a testimony without a test? You can't get healed if you never struggle with an illness. You cannot get financial breakthroughs if you never get financially squeezed. You will never develop the muscle of faith if you never have to believe God for something. And you will never develop endurance unless you feel like quitting. Hallelujah. Welcome to the new year. I do not have much patience for isn't everything great theology. Because it's not in the Bible. Paul just said, you remember the hell I went through. But this is what he said. But God delivered me from every single situation. That's our hope. So here's what I'm laying out for you this morning. This year is going to be challenging, like last year and the year before and the year before. But here's the hope that we have. This is what separates us from everybody else. But God, God is faithful. God is true. God's word is true. God's character is true. God is going to give us, listen, church, he's going to give us some amazing stories this year. He's going to give us some amazing stories this year. Of his faithfulness. So Paul's challenging. He says, look, you're going to run into some hard times. All right? But the Lord rescued me from them all. There's going to be amazing opportunities. But I want you to see what Paul says next in verse 13. This is important. You know, a lot of times when we're in the New Year's resolution cycle, we're focusing on change, change, change. Resolutions. What am I going to do differently? And I'm not telling you not to do that. But Paul, in this passage, is not telling you to run ahead, look at what he's doing in verses 13 and 14. He's, he's comparing two groups of people. And I want you to see this. It's very important. He says, evil people and imposters will flourish. I think the King James Version, Amplified Version, says uh, that they will go from bad to worse. In other words, they're going to be progressing. They're advancing. They're moving forward, but they're progressing in evil. They're not progressing in righteousness. I mean, you know, that's just the way the world operates. People go, seems like the world goes from bad to worse. They're progressing. They're advancing. They never sit still, but they're going the wrong direction. But I want you to see what Paul says here to Timothy. Paul, he doesn't say, I want you to progress, Timothy. I want you to run ahead. I want you to move. I want you to advance. That's not what he says. He says, I want you to remain. Everybody say remain. I want you to remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Now, this is good. Because how many of you know you can't move ahead in the kingdom? You can't advance unless you've been anchored. We're, we're not just free agents running around in craziness trying, you know, to be radical for Jesus. How many of you know there's a rootedness in the body of Christ that's so important? There's a stability. There's a strength. There's an anchor that allows us to move ahead, which is kind of a paradox. Most of the time we think anchors hold us down. But anchors just keep you rooted so that the ship can maybe move ahead in the right direction. And that's what I'm encouraging us this year. We need to be anchored and advancing. Paul says, I want you to stay put. I want you to continue. I want you to remain constant. I want you to be firm. I want you to be anchored in what? Anchored with the unshakable allegiance to God's unchanging word. Look at what it says in verses 14 and 15. 
says, but you must remain faithful. In other words, continue, be consistent to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Paul gives us here three reasons we need to hold fast to God's Word, and I want to challenge you with them this morning. The first reason to hold fast is because of the lifestyles of our mentors. The lifestyles of our mentors. Look what it says in verse 14. You know they are true. How do you know that the Word of God is true? Because you can trust those who taught you. Can you see why it's so important to be plugged into the body of Christ? And why it's important to be in small groups, life groups, and why it's important to be seated under the Word of God. This morning, you know, the reason we stand on a stage is not so you can see me or, or I can see you better. Part of the reason we elevate stages is visual, but part of the reason is we're supposed to be sitting under the Word of God. I am just simply preaching God's Word to us. Notice you're under the Word of God, physically seated under the Word of God. This should be the way we live our lives, submitted to this book and submitted to the teaching of this book, submitted to God's Word, under the Word of God. But here's the deal. Part of what Paul's saying is the reason, Timothy, you know this book is true is because look at the lifestyle of the people who taught it to you. Timothy didn't have a godly father, the Bible tells us, but he had a godly mom and he had a godly grandma. And what Paul's saying to Timothy is, you know what they told you is true, look at their lives. Now this is not infallible. How many of you know every, every person is subject to sin and subject to falling short of God's glory, amen? But, but how many of you know, like if somebody asked me, well, Pastor Ron, how do you know God's word is true? This is what I could say. I watched it lived out before me. And my, and my mom and dad, they, they let the word of God become enfleshed in their, in their lives. And this is what I can say. I watched them trust God. I watched God answer prayers. I watched God provide for our family. I watched God not only bless their marriage, but work through his word to bless other marriages. As a teenager, listen to me, you know what the biggest testimony to the reality of God was in my life? Not a theological argument on why scripture is true, although that's valid. You know what the biggest, most powerful testimony was? I saw people every Sunday night in our living room getting set free and healed. Their lives were being transformed. Their marriages that were on the verge of divorce were getting healed. I saw people getting delivered from evil spirits. I saw people's body getting healed. I saw God moving in supernatural ways through my mom and dad's life. And I looked at that, and here's what I said as a young person. I want what they have. Now, how many of you know you can go to church and be surrounded with religious people and say, I don't want anything they have? In fact, that is one of the biggest reasons young people leave the church. Because they weren't surrounded by people that were living the word. They were surrounded by religious people, and they got sick of it. I mean, that's just the truth, isn't it? I, you know, and, and, and let me just say this. Pastor's kids are the ones that leave the church the fastest, usually. That's bad. I just want to tell you, if I can't raise eight kids to the glory of God... I should not be standing up there. And I'm just being real. If, if, if what my kids see and Marion and I, or don't see and Marion and I at home, 
is not enough convincing that this book is true, I am doing something seriously wrong to mess it up. Getting quiet in here. See, it's not religious people or religious stuff that causes our kids to say, oh yes, I believe the word of God. Fundamentally, the Bible is believed relationally. The Bible has to be lived through somebody so we can see it and get it. How many of you know, when you, on national news, when somebody who has been wronged by somebody else, maybe they've killed a family member or something like that, a horrible crime, and when you see on national television them saying, we choose to forgive that person for what they did to our family. How many of you know the entire nation looks in stunned silence? What just happened? You know what just happened? Somebody acted like God. Somebody acted like Jesus. Somebody lived the gospel in such a way that it changed everything. When you see people making sacrifices, or, you know, I sat over here today, and Jason sat next to me, I, I, watching me write this checkout. I wanted him to know, as he's looking over my shoulder, that this is a first fruits check. This is not my tithe. This is me wanting to make a statement to God on January 1st that I love you and I'm believing you for greater things than I've ever believed you for in this year. This is just a little token of my affection. That's what I was doing. Because I'm believing God personally. See, it's not what we say. It's what we live. It's how we live this thing out. It's what we do. And Paul said, you know this is true. Look at your mama. You know this is true. Look at grandma. And here's the other thing about people that have been around for a while. You know, when you're young and cool and everything's hip, you know? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The latest fads. Well, when your hair falls out, your teeth fall out, you get some whiskers. How many of you realize when you stick around for a while, you've seen things come and go? And you don't fall for the latest stupid thing that's going on in culture. And the people I want to look at are not the little saplings that are blown around being cool. I want to look at the big oaks that are just hanging out. And the storm blows through, and they're just not even shaken by it. How does that happen? Those folks have been doing the word faithful things over and over. And it doesn't look cool. But it's cool when you're 80 and you have a legacy and you're still running hard after God. That's cool. When you're 16 and you're a, a, a shot in the dark, you're a firework that goes off. And, and what happened to Brother So-and-So? What happened to Brother So-and-So's ministry that's no longer in existence? Yeah, they burned out. They quit. They gave up. But they were so cool when they were in their heyday. Cool is highly overrated. I don't care if I'm cool. I want to be faithful. I want to be consistent. I want my kids even, sometimes, you know, when your kids are young, they don't think that you're all that together and that you're that smart. I know none of you understand what I'm talking about, but they question the credible wisdom that you possess. And then they go off to live their own lives. And then they come back going, you know what? My dad was a pretty smart guy. And I, I'm saying that because, you know what, We've all, we all do. That's part of the curse of youthfulness. My dad is a pretty smart guy. 
I want to listen to him, follow him, receive from him. And some of you that do not have godly parents, let me just tell you, you need to love the church. You need, you need to be committed. You need to find various men, various women in your life that can speak into your life, that you can look at and say, that, that person's a spiritual dad to me. That person's a spiritual mom to me. I have watched your lifestyle. I want to be like you when I grow up. You all know what I'm talking about. That's why we believe the word of God is true, Paul says, first of all here. But let's go to the second point. Got to move on. He says the second argument for the truthfulness of scriptures is the fact that they're divine or they're holy. Look at, look at verse 15. You have been taught the holy scripture. Everybody say holy. Why are the scriptures holy? Because they're the words of a holy God. It's not that these pages are holy. It's not that this book is holy. I hope yours looks like mine. I, I, it's falling apart. Do not buy me a new Bible, all right? I mean, you know, I worked hard to get this thing looking like this, all right? This book is not holy in and of itself, even though it says Holy Bible somewhere on here, Holy Bible. The reason this is a holy Bible is because this is the word of a holy God that we're holding in our hands. This is awesome. God's word is not a normal book. God's word is not just ink on a page. God's word is holy because they have a divine quality to them. In fact, John 17, 17, Jesus said of the scriptures, thy word is truth. Jesus says, this is the truth. How many of you know if Jesus says that about the Bible, you can take it to the bank and cash that check. Thy word is truth, Jesus said. Let's go to the third argument for why we need to anchor our lives on the scriptures. The third argument Paul gives here is the power of the scriptures to save. Look at what the word says. They have given you the wisdom to receive, speaking of the scriptures, to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, why do we trust the scriptures? Here's why. Because they contain the power to change your life. Have any of you ever had a a divine, supernatural transformation, alteration that came when you were reading the word of God and it pierced through your consciousness like a laser beam or into your heart and you said, God is speaking to me now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God, through his word, speaks to you, he brings the adjustment that's needed, the perspective that's needed. He brings change, not just head knowledge, but the word of God pierces you at the deepest part of your being. In fact, the Bible says if we listen to the word, we confess the word, we hear somebody, faith comes by hearing the word. We hear the word of God preached. There's, I can't tell you how many times I've had someone come up to me and say, Pastor, oh, I wasn't going to come today, but I came. And you, and you shared exactly. You read my mail. Now, let me just tell you, I have no clue whenever that happens unless you tell me, all right? I've had people get mad and leave the church because they thought I was preaching at them. I'm innocent, all right? God is preaching at you. Be offended with him if you want to be, but don't be offended with me. I'm just trying to be a, I'm, I'm the water boy. I'm just carrying the water. God, I, I, this is interesting too. We had, a, we had a, um, uh, one of our starting point classes. Maybe you guys can remember this, but we always ask people, why'd you come and what do you like about living stones? And this is what somebody said one time at one of those classes. We love it here. This is the first time I have felt convicted in a long time. I sat there like... How many of you know conviction is a good thing? 
God's word is meant to correct us. It's meant to challenge us. It's never meant to hurt us, but it's meant to cut things off that need to get cut off. It's meant to speak faith into your heart so you go, you know, you're not alone. God is with you. I remember in that room right there, I had a God encounter. I was moping. This was years ago when I was youth pastor. We were doing a big event, and I needed helpers, and I wasn't getting the helpers that I thought I needed, and I was moping, and I was reading my Bible. I was, have you ever prayed through a psalm? Ever, anybody ever do that? You open up the psalms, you go to the first verse, you say it out loud, and then you just begin to pray whatever that verse says, all right? Sometimes you're confessing. Sometimes you're repenting. But anyway, I was just moping to God about needing more help, and I'm praying through the psalm, and the very next verse after my moping said, God is my helper. You talk about an attitude adjustment in a second. I'm moping around looking for helpers, and and the Lord says, Hello! Hello! See, God uses his word to reveal our hearts and the power of the word to change a human life or a perspective is testimony that it's no normal book. I remember the testimony of St. Augustine trapped in sexual sin uh, for years and years and years. And his testimony is he's sitting there and the Bible, that he's crying out to God to know God, he's feeling condemned. He said, I just want to know that I can please God. My life is a mess. I'm trapped in evil desires. And all of a sudden he hears an angelic, like the voice of an angelic cherub saying, open and eat kind of thing. And he opens his Bible and his eyes just go right there to a passage of Scripture in Romans that when he read it, it exploded in his heart. And in a moment's time, God changed the affections of his heart and all those lusts that he was enslaved to instantly went away and he had new affections for God. That was, the, the only way he could explain it was it was supernatural. How many of you know every time you open this book, you're setting yourselves up for a supernatural encounter with God? If you, if you knew that opening the pages could change your life forever, what would be going on when you picked it up? What would be going on as you began to read? And let me encourage you, do not do this approach. Lord, just speak to me today. Stop it. That's what baby Christians do. That's what immature believers do. You know, God, what should I do with my life? It says, you know, go to the cross, you know, you know something like that. I don't know. No. Yeah, go, go and hang yourself. You know, it said that in the Bible too, you know. Stop it. You can get in big trouble that way. Be a consistent, dedicated reader of the entire Word of God and let it feed your soul. All right. What's the purpose of this? Let me wrap it up here this morning. Paul says in verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful or profitable to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And let me just say this. I encourage all of you to do something this year to take care of your physical temple, all right? I'm not up here, you know, selling gym memberships or something like that. Um, But how many of you know you should exercise physically? (laughs) All right, hey, you guys do whatever you want, or I'm just telling you. I'm trying to help you out. You should exercise. If for no other reason, it'll give you more energy on Sunday morning to listen better, all right? 
exercise. But the Bible says this, bodily exercise profits little compared to godliness. So the exercising, you need to exercise your physical body, but you need to do it for a higher purpose so that you could exercise spiritually. And here's the goal of all exercise, godliness. I want to live as long as I can. I want this body to hold out as long as it can. Anybody amen to me on this? I mean, I, I, I don't want to short circuit my time here on earth because I didn't take care of my temple. I want to carve out time to take care of this body, but not so I can just be stud muffin pastor. <laughs> all right, my goal is not to demonstrate my stud muffinness every Sunday morning to you all. Y'all can go ahead and laugh. That was supposed to be sarcastic. All right. The whole purpose of trying to take care of this is so I live as long as I can live to be the most godly person I can be, to have the biggest impact I can have, to love as many people as I can, and to be as fruitful as I can be till Jesus calls me home. Is that your goal? That's my goal. So listen to me. Take care of your stinking body, all right? I'm telling you this year. Take care of your body. But exercise yourself in godliness. Look at what the Bible does for us. It reproves us or it teaches us what's true and helps us to show what's wrong in our lives. Does anybody want to keep doing stupid things till Jesus comes? No. Why do you have to read the Bible? Because it shows you where you're being stupid. Stupid is bad. Stupid is bad. The Bible says, stop doing that. Oh, okay. And then you ask yourself the question, how is this working out for me? It works out really great when we obey what God says and we stop being stupid. So we don't want to be stupid. It corrects us and it trains us and equips us for every good work. Now, I'm sharing this today in honor of Steve and Brittany who are having an anniversary today. Come on. Now, there's so many great qualities about Steve, and Brittany could tell you probably more than I can, but there is one glaring weakness. He's a Green Bay Packer fan. And I don't understand how my brother-in-law and sister allowed anybody to marry into their family line with such a glaring character fault, but anyway. But, um, but Aaron Rodgers happens to be a pretty good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is the most proficient quarterback in the history of football. He's the best quarterback as far as when you look at how many times he throws the ball and how many times it's intercepted. Throughout the history of football, there is no quarterback who is more proficient at what he does than Aaron Rodgers. I hate to say that. I'm getting sick to my stomach right now. But this is what's amazing about Aaron Rodgers. They were interviewing him, and they said, you know, hey, what's the secret? How do you do it? This is what Aaron Rodgers said. I love to be coached. He's the best quarterback, perhaps of all time, some could argue, but he's one certainly in the discussion. And one of the most amazing character qualities about his life is that he loves being coached. I mean, you know, some athletes don't want anybody telling them anything. They think that they died and went to heaven. They're the best. Who, what are you going to tell me? I'm the best. Not Aaron Rodgers. He loves to be coached. I just want to ask you a question. 
Do you love to be coached? Do you want people speaking into your life to help you get better? Are you submitted to any voices in your life? And the main voice I want to ask you to be submitted to is will you allow yourself to be coached? Will you listen to the one who made you, created you for his glory, designed you for great works? This is what I get excited about. God is sovereign, and God has already lived through 2017 because he's outside of time. God has already been here. He's rejoicing with us. I think part of the reason he's rejoicing is he already knows, listen, the good works that you're going to walk in this year. Some of us, this is going to help somebody. Stop looking at your failures from your past and start looking at what God is going to do to glorify himself through you this year. The focus isn't on your mistakes. God is going to do amazing things. Why? Why? Because I'm going to get in this book. Because I'm going to meditate on this book. I'm going to do it with the desire to obey this book. I'm going to walk in success and prosperity this year. How about you? I'm going to let the Word of God be the Word of God. I'm going to hold it and treat it with respect like the Word of God. I'm going to make it matter. I'm going to make it matter. I mean, you know, if this is a, if Pastor Dick alluded to it, if this is a dusty book sitting on a coffee table... Listen to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It only matters when you read it. And let me tell you when when else it matters. How many of you can say, I want to take care of my body this year. I I want to go work out this year. It only matters if you actually show up at the gym. And listen... You can show up. I've seen people, they show up, which is the first. You know, it's been said that the, the piece of equipment that's the least used at a, at a gym is the front door. <laughs> I've even seen people, though, that open the door, and then they just walk around. <laughs> and they talk to everybody, and they got, their, they got their thing on, you know. They're getting ready to get ready to work out someday. Listen, that won't help you. Or I've seen people that want to go on the diet and they eat salad, but they put a quart of blue cheese dressing. <laughs> Listen, you, you can eat all the carrots you want, but when you eat a quart of blue cheese salad dressing on your salad, you don't have a plan. You have a vision. You don't have a plan. So I'm asking you this morning, What is your plan to make this matter? Now I'm messing with you. What is your plan to make this matter? In other words, if if somebody asks you, does the Bible take preeminence in your life and the knowledge of God's Word, does it matter to you? You should be able to say, this is how it matters. You know, I just picked up one of those through-the-year Bibles. I'm reading it today. I'm not going to go to sleep at night until I make sure I have read my daily supplement of God's Word because it matters to me. You might even start changing what you do with your spare time. You might even put some books next to your bed. And you might read a chapter before you go to sleep because those books next to your bed say that your knowledge of God and of his word matters. You might even start memorizing some scripture so that when you get squeezed, profanity doesn't come out of your mouth. Praise comes out of your mouth. You might even start putting 
scripture verses on your refrigerator, on your mirror in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth to remind you of what God thinks about you or his love for you or something that you need to be reminded of that day. You might even make a point to write, get a Bible that you can color in, circle, underline, make lines, get your highlighter out. I love Coralie's Bible. Coralie's Bible is like a rainbow. I took a picture of it. I just, it inspires me. Every page, you know, how many of you know sometimes when you get it underlining the Bible? I mean, it's all God's words, so like, where do you stop? You know, it's almost an insult to stop underlining. Because like, what part's no good? But then I think, well, I can't underline everything, or what's the point? Coralie underlines everything, multiple colors with notes at the side. So before she went off to Russia, she had a look at, the, at my Bible, and I told her, I want to get one of those Bibles with the column where I can write bigger spots to write notes. So that was her gift to me for Christmas this year, was a Bible. And I, I said, please sign the inside for me. And, uh, you know, her father's with the Lord right now, so I'm her pastor dad. And that's what she wrote. She started crying. I started crying. And every time I get that Bible out, it's a reminder of me of more than even just the Word of God. It's a reminder of relationships that matter and people who love you and people that are living for the gospel and people that are, are using their life in strategic ways. And I just want to challenge you this year. Be strategic. Don't let life happen to you. You happen to this year, all right? Be proactive. Get a plan. Make the Bible matter. And if you'll make God's word matter, how many of you parents, last thing, I'm just bringing it home. There's nothing that irritates me more than to ask three times for the garbage to go outside. Because if I have to ask three times for the garbage to go outside, what that says to me is the person that I gave that directive to, my words don't matter. And nothing, I just got to be honest with you, nothing makes me more angry than when my kids act like my words don't matter. Da- am I get- the dad's in here. Come on. Al, come on. Can I get an amen from you? Al. Matter. I say, I didn't hear you, Dad. You know why you didn't hear me? Because it doesn't matter to you. I said it quite loud, but you didn't hear me. The issue is not in the volume of my speech. The issue is you don't value my speech. That's a problem. How much more, I'm preaching to myself now, how much more when we neglect this? And this is what God said to his people. My words don't matter to you because you don't listen. Oh, you act all religious, but you don't listen to me, and you certainly don't obey me because my words don't matter. You let them fall in the street and you trample over them like they're cheap things. doesn't matter. How many of you will agree with me this year? We're going to make the Word of God matter to us personally as a church so that we could be instant, in season and out, so that when you bump into somebody in church on Sunday and you can tell they're struggling, guess what comes out of you? The Word of the Lord, which you were just in this morning, and you encourage people because you have something to share because God's Word matters. And I'm telling you this, get ready. 
if you'll, and you and I will do what God's Word says, you're in for one of the most exciting rides this year in 2017 that you've ever experienced. That's what I'm after. How about you? Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. And if you've got your Bible with you, or maybe you have it on a cell phone, that's where people will tell me sometimes, Pastor, Pastor, I was really listening. It looked like I was on my phone, but my Bible's on my phone. All right. That's between you and God, but I'm believing you. All right. But if you have your Bible, I'd like you to get it in your hands. I'd like you to hold it over your head this morning. Or maybe you got your cell phone or you got an iPad or whatever you're reading the Word on this morning. Or if you're hands-free this morning, get your hands up in faith. Lord, we're lifting this book, which is no normal book. It's the Holy Bible. It's the Bible full of the words of a holy God. And it's alive and it's powerful and it's true. And it has the power to save us. And it has the power to transform us. And it has the power to lead us to you. And you're the one that wants to bless us and wants to go ahead of us and cause this year to be a year of blessing and prosperity. So Lord, we honor your word and we ask you, God, to help us this year to hold you in high esteem and your words in high esteem that nothing would shape our lives more, not the evening news, not expert opinion, not not whatever we listen to or whatever we read, but what would shape our lives the most would be what you have to say. God, we want to eat this word. We want to know the word. We want to love the word, and we want to live the word. So God Almighty, help us to honor you. Help us to understand. Help us to eat and help us to delight in your word more than we ever have. God, together we dedicate 2017 to you. Here we are, Lord. Take our future. Take everything that's ahead of us, God. Take our concerns, our our challenges, whatever they are, Lord. We lay them in your lap, and we pray that this year would be a year where you demonstrate your goodness and your greatness to us and through us, Lord. We honor you from the bottom of our hearts. Jesus, we want to please you, and we want to bring you great glory. So, Father, Hear our prayers. See our acts of faith even now. See our acts of humility. God, our intentions, we're expressing our intentions to you right now. God Almighty, we want to be a people of the book. So Lord, help us to that end for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen.